Burgers. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, The Midnighters with I Found a Peanut. The Midnighters from East L.A. in the 1960s. And speaking of East L.A. and the 1960s and the 1970s and the 1980s and the 1990s and right up to today, today an interview with Alice Bag from the legendary Bags from Los Angeles, California. The punk rock band, The Bags. And Alice Bag from The Bags will be coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Sunday 4 p.m. doing a free show and reading from her brand new book, Violence Girl. And she's going to play some tunes by The Bags as well. That's all at Neptune Records this Sunday at 4 p.m. for free. Alice Bag, The Bags, today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show. So to prepare you for my interview with Alice Bag of The Bags, going to play some 
Bags. Gonna play Babylonian Gorgon by the Bags. And gonna begin right now with the Bags doing I Don't Need the English. And in an interview with Alice Bag from the Bags, again, coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Sunday, 4 p.m., for a free show and book reading at Red Cat Records. Here's the Bags with I Don't Need the English. Play. Tell us what to say. Say I've seen the 
are you? I'm Alice Bag. I was in a band in uh, back in 1977 in Los Angeles called The Bags. We wore bags over our heads. And uh, then I became a teacher, and I was in a bunch of different bands, mostly in L.A., uh, and now I'm an author. Welcome to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, Alice Bag. Thank you so much, Nardwar. And speaking of Alice Bag and authorisms, you'd like to say something to the people of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, wouldn't you? You're coming here this Sunday. Yes, Sunday at Red Cat, 4 o'clock. Please what, come. What exactly will be happening, Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl? I'll be reading excerpts from my book and playing a few songs, and the songs are going to go along with uh, the excerpts. So if I read something from my childhood, I will try and play something from that time, and then you know, we'll move through the, the story sequentially that way. Alice Bag, book reading and song-telling as well. This is <laughs> Sunday, March the 4th at 4 p.m. at Red Cat Records on Main Street here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. That's 4332 Main Street. So, Alice, right off the bat, you could have retired from rock and roll in 1975, couldn't you? In 1975? Yes, you could have retired in 1975. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't think I can ever retire. I think you could have retired in 1975 because you met Michael Jackson. <laughs> is this true, yes. Alice Bag? Yes, it is true. He rolled up in a limousine. I was stalking Elton outside of CBS, waiting for him to film uh, the share show. And this limousine drove up and rolled down the window, and there was... A young Michael Jackson who was wondering what we were up to and just, he was so friendly. It's hard to, it's hard to believe that, uh, that he went through so many changes and, and is gone now. But yeah, it was, it was very exciting at the time. At that time, Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl, how were you dressed? What did Michael Jackson see, Alice Bag? He saw me in this very short hair. Uh, Elton John glasses, because I was a huge Elton fan, so I had these giant spectacles with rhinestones all around, and uh, probably a really, either, well, I had ditched school, so I'm not sure if I had changed out of my uniform, or if I was wearing my Elton John pants. I had these pants that I wore when I was on my stocking missions that were just a pair of jeans on which I'd sewn the words, the word Elton in, like, Silver Lame. So um, I, I would have looked freakish. Meeting Michael Jackson, 1975, <laughs> reason to retire, number one for Alice Bag, but number two, Alice Bag, reason to retire all the way back when. And we're speaking here to Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl, number two, you could have retired after playing a cast party for MASH. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And I got to meet um, Hot Lips Houlihan. Or what was her, that was her name, right? It Hollis. was indeed. Yeah. I, I just love the idea of Hollywood. Like, God bless Hollywood, right? For some rock and rollers, like, for me, my, meeting Michael Jackson, playing a cast party for MASH in the bags. I mean, can it, did it get any better than that? <laughs> Not to well, I was in a band with a guy who used to write episodes for... Wait, wait, wait. Let me back it up to MASH. I, I'm sure you know this, but Joanna Lee, who was Craig Lee's mother, who was my guitarist, Joanna Lee was actually in Plan 9 from Outer Space. So I was, you know, 
in uh, well, in the band with a with an, the alien son. Well, that's reason number three that you could retire early from rock and roll, Alice Bag. That's amazing to be in the same band with somebody that was in. What did she do in Plan Nine for Outer Space? And how did she? She, um, she was one of the aliens. Alice Bag from The Bags coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada for a reading this Sunday, 4 p.m. at Red Cat Records. That's for 324332 Main Street in Vancouver. Going back to the MASH party, The Bags, a fierce punk rock band playing for <laughs> MASH people. Were they ready for an onslaught? No. <laughs> I don't think they were ready. I, 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 they sat there with their canapes looking at us uh, sort of dumbfounded. Uh, but they were very nice. They were very polite. You know, and, it, and I think Joanna introduced us as her son's band. So, so people were you know, tolerant. Alice Bank, I read a great review for your book, Violence Girl, in Razor Cake. And I thought I would begin with the question that they asked in their review. Why didn't you go for lunch with Oprah? Uh, well, that, um, th the real reason I didn't go to lunch with Oprah is because I couldn't go to lunch with Oprah because uh, I was singing back up with Alves and uh, Alves was going to be on the show. So we flew out. We were going to fly out. Uh, and Robert Alves was late for the flight. So our luggage somehow ended up on another plane at another airport. And uh, and we didn't have clothes to go. She, uh, her, her secretary called and invited us uh, to dinner with Oprah. And um, because she was dining with all her guests. And it was at a nice restaurant. And we had no no clothes. So we couldn't go. I had a pair of torn jeans and a Ramones t-shirt on, I think. It was So that's the real reason I turned down dinner with Oprah. Thanks for revealing that, Alice Bag, <laughs> author of Violence Girl, live here on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Alice, your book, Violence Girl, does it have the world record for chapters? How many chapters are in it? I don't know. I haven't counted them. It sounds like a good contest, though. <laughs> it makes it so easy to read. I love it. I was kind of thinking, well, Alice was from the bags and still is rocking and is like punk rock at heart. And that's why the chapters are short, like punk rock songs. Why are they so short in the chapters? Why are they so short? Because they're like punk rock songs. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. The real reason they're short is because, um, because I was blogging and I would write a chapter every day. And that seemed to me the right length for, for a blog entry. And for people who don't know, you grew up where, Alice Bag? I grew up in East L.A. Dittman Avenue. Dittman Avenue. <laughs> and growing up, you mention in your book, Violence Girl, a lot about Mexican garage rock, at least a few allusions to it, like Lost Teen Tops and The Midnighters. Yes. Do you ever think of covering any of those bands like The Midnighters, Found a Peanut? <laughs> oh wow! No, I I haven't thought of uh, covering them, but um, maybe I should. I'm you know I'm now that I'm doing this, I'm thinking of of trying cover versions of some of these non you know these songs that they're popular in certain areas, and a lot a whole bunch of people have not never heard of the Midnighters. I, I really like um, that's all. Have you know that song? The Midnighters doing That's All? I love all the Midnighter stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. My favorite, I guess, is Found a Peanut, I guess. <laughs> okay. 
Alice Bag, growing up, your family was involved in dumpster diving. What can you yes. tell the people about that dumpster diving for fabric and then selling it at swap meets? Well, um, my dad was a carpenter and he didn't always find construction work. So there was a period of time where he was not getting any work. So uh, we would go downtown to the, the garment district and my parents would hop into the dumpsters and pull out like these rolls of fabric that were just, you know, they might just have a couple yards left or these big books of samples, which were like, I mean, they were like bound books that had maybe a square about, you know, a foot by a foot. And, um, and my mom would rip off those, rip out the squares, take them home, make quilts, and then we'd display them at the swamp meet. And, uh, and that's how we made our living for a while. And continuing on with Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl, live here on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And Alice Bag will be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Sunday, right, Alice, at Red Cat Records? At four o'clock. Playing some tunes and reading from your brand new book, Violence Girl. Downtown in LA, there's Clifton's. It's been there for years. What was Clifton's like way back when, and how does it differ from what way Clifton's is today? It's a legendary cafeteria. Was it always the same? I don't know what it's like now. I don't. I don't even know if it's open anymore. Um, but it was. Well, we used to go on the weekends mostly, and there were usually um, religious people outside singing songs, playing tambourines, and you know calling you to come join the congregation and uh, we'd make our way through that <laughs> and pick up a tray and you walk in and there's um, there's a waterfall and there there are tables it's it's like it was like a tiered dining area so there were little balconies on either side and then um, if you walked up to the top very top level the top floor was all like red velvet curtains and red carpeting and it looked really plush and there was even a little chapel on the side where you could uh, where you could pray before you ate. Uh, so it was really, really a cool place. Alice Bag, in the book Violence Girl, there is some violence, like a car chase that your dad took you on. That seemed very frightening and wild. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, my dad was. He had a really bad temper, and. Uh, Usually it was directed at my mother, but sometimes it was directed at other people. And just being in his presence when he was being violent, even if it wasn't towards you, it was just, it was a really ugly thing. It made you, um, you know, it, it's, it's scary. It's scary being in a car where the driver doesn't have control and, you know, my, my mother was driving and my father was stepping on her foot trying to get her to run the red light so that she, he could catch somebody so that he could beat him up. So it was it was frightening. And he did catch them. Yeah, and he did punch them out. The amount of violence your dad showed towards your mom and family is pretty intense. Have you encountered other punk rockers who have had similar upbringings at all? Like the amount of violence you encountered in your family really is unreal. I don't know that people, you know, feel comfortable talking about it or even maybe admitting it to themselves. I tried not to think about that stuff uh, for a long time until I was writing the book. You know, I, I had sort of, I didn't want to think about it. It's something uncomfortable to think about. So, so um, 
there were certain things that would trigger memories. You know, if I if I saw a movie or TV show or something, I remember watching Monster and thinking like I can relate to her. You know, to that that just that fury, that rage. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what people have experienced because everybody is not writing a book and talking about it. But for me, it seemed like it was just the depths of horror. Alice Bank, your book, Violence Girl, has so many great punk tidbits, but also so many great tidbits from you growing up. For instance, in your book, Alice Bag, you talk about a guy in high school that chucked dog biscuits at you <laughs> and then threw a school desk out the window and didn't get in trouble. And then you made him bleed. How come he didn't get in trouble for chucking a school desk out the window? Because the teacher was afraid of him. The, you know, the teacher was probably just trying to make it through the day. And uh, this guy was probably bigger than the teacher. I think he was actually taller than the teacher and um, much fiercer and angrier. So, But you weren't afraid so, to make him bleed, though. You actually made because him bleed. I, I actually did, but um, because I, it was, you get to that point when you're angry where you don't even think about that kind of stuff. At least I do, you know, where it doesn't matter because something, something snaps and you're just going to get that other person no matter what happens to you. didn't matter at that point. I just wanted to stick my fingernails in his face and scratch it up. Did he bring the dog biscuits to school every day with him? What were the dog <laughs> biscuits doing there? I think he brought the dog biscuits to throw at me. I, I, I don't know what they were doing there, but I, I don't know. Alice Bag, you also don't like Bic pens very much, do you? <laughs> well, um... Yeah, I don't. I you had some I, anger directed at a big pen. You got mad at a big pen, didn't you? I got mad at the 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 girl that was attached to the big pen. She she pushed. I, I was bullied a lot in school. I was um, it's kind of awkward, and and this this girl would just torture me. She'd call me names and push me around. And one day she was um, I was walking up the steps towards the bathroom. In, uh, in junior high school and she shoved me and again something snapped and I just turned around automatically without thinking about it to push her back and as I turned around I hit a pen that was had happened to be in her mouth and uh, I hit it with the flat side of my palm and shoved it into her throat and her her throat started bleeding and afterwards you became the cause celeb of the entire school right everybody loved you for doing that yeah actually people people uh treated me with a little more respect after that alice bag who was hunch butt oh no (laughs) oh that is that was that horrible nickname that i was given in junior high school but you loved Uh, the nickname didn't you you mentioned in your book violence girl that you loved the nickname we thought it was a clever nickname (laughs) you hated being called it but you couldn't deny it was a good nickname well i didn't love it no i hated it because it was funny so people used it because i mean if something doesn't have a bit of truth to it it's not funny and but that was clever and it was funny and i had you know and my butt sort of you know had that kind of uh, that shape so so it uh, unfortunately it fit and people used it 
but I, I did not love it. I hated it. And in the book, Violence Girl, Alice Bag, you remember so much with such detail. I love that you remember the germs joke. Can you tell us the germs joke that Darby told you? It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about the guy who got his left side cut off? No. He's all right now. Ba-boom! <laughs> and there's part two to that as well. Kate Ellis Bag. This is yeah. from Darby Crash to the listeners of the Nardwarda Human Survey Radio Show via Alice Bag, right? This is really from Darby Crash, right? This is really from Darby Crash. We're channeling him right now. Did you did you hear about the guy that got his right side cut off? No. He's lucky to have what's left. Ba-boom! <laughs> So you remembered that for years. Did you use that on stage at all for stage banter? No, but I did repeat it to all my friends for a long time because it was so funny. When Darby was like riffing your bag off your head because you were in the bags, a lot of times in the early gigs you wore bags in your head. That was kind of mean, wasn't it? Was Darby kind of mean or was that just something he would do to everybody? Oh, God, no, he was not mean. He it, During those days, he was really, really sweet. And he was mostly just drunk and wanted to hang on people. So, uh, no, and, and as a matter of fact, I would go to his shows and pull on his clothes. So it was payback. You know, it was sort of something that he did in fun. But he, he liked that, though, you were saying. He liked that happening. You didn't really like having the bag pulled off your head. I didn't like the bag pulled, pulled off my head. His, he really didn't want me to wear a bag. And we were, we were pretty good friends, and he thought he knew better. So he told me, if you wear a bag on your head, I'm going to rip it off. And uh, the first time we stepped on stage, he started pulling at it. And eventually he ripped like a big chunk out of the side of my bag. And I ended up having to sing like peeking out of this, you know, this rip on the side instead of the, the proper eye holes, which is how any decent bag with bags, any decent band with bags on their heads is going to be singing looking through the eye holes. Alice Bag from The Bags, speaking to me, Nardwar to Human Serviette, and Alice Bag from The Bags is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Sunday, 4 p.m., to Red Cat Records for a reading. Right, Alice? What are you going to do, just to recap, in case people are wondering who I'm talking to? Alice Bag, who are you, Alice Bag, and what are you doing uh, on Alice Sunday? Alice Bag from The Bags, who uh, later went on to be in Castration Squad and Stay at Home Bomb in uh, Cholita and the Afro Sisters and and then I was a teacher, and uh, now I'm an author. And I'm going to be reading excerpts from my book, singing some songs that go along with the excerpts from different periods of my life, and, uh, and being charming and entertaining and answering questions and hopefully getting you to be interested in my book and my music. Alice Bag from The Bags and also author of Violence Girl, Sherwood Schwartz from Gilligan's Island was Elton John's body double decoy? <laughs> no, no. He happened to be at um, the Santa Monica Civic on the day when we were stalking Elton because I was a big time Elton John stalker. So I found out that Elton was going to be at the Santa Monica Pacific and uh, my friends and I waited outside, but we were, we tried to get on the premises and we were being, you know, co constantly run off by the, um, by the guards. But one of the people that actually talked to us was Sherwood Schwartz and he was really nice. Just, again, it was sort of like that Michael Jackson thing where he just wanted to know what these young girls were up to hanging out, laughing, you know, um, 
and and he was very friendly. He just came over and talked to us. Alice Bag from the Bags, did you invent the term douchebag? I didn't invent it. I didn't. Was that a very <laughs> early instance of the word douchebag? Because you were douchebag before a lot of people were douchebags, right? I was. And I was, I, and I was a proud douchebag, too. And we all, all the uh, members of the bags took the last name bag, but then it wasn't enough for us. So we decided to name ourselves after a particular type of bag. Uh, Patricia was trash bag. Craig Lee was bagteria. Um, Terry, who we called dad, was bag dad. And um, what was Rob Ritter? Oh, my goodness. Rob Ritter was our played guitar with us. And, oh, of course I'm going to forget. Shopping bag? Yes. Thank you. And and I was douchebag. Oh, I'm so, I love it that you know the answers. Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl, did Freddie Mercury inadvertently cause Patricia Morrison Pat Bag's finger to get chopped off? I don't know if Freddie Mercury caused it. He did hand her a glass from the stage um, and perhaps may have looked at her and looked at someone else at the same time or a second later. But uh, Patricia had a glass of wine in her hand and another girl who thought it was for her grabbed it out of her hand and ended up cutting a big chunk of Patricia's finger off. But we had front row center seats for that show. We were like, you know, I don't know, eight feet away from Freddie Mercury, which was really exciting for us. We'd spent the night at the local scalper scalpers um, shop. And when we got in, we were like, we were the first people in. And we had like, it was the best, the best those were the best seats I've ever had for a concert. Alice but Bank, look what it, it cost us. What did it cost you? It cost us a big chunk of Patricia's finger. She couldn't pay, play for months after that. Alice Bank, is the song by the bags, We Don't Need No English, about zippers? Oh, wow. No, it's not. It's actually, the, the We Don't Need the English song was written by Craig Lee, and it was in reaction to, I believe, a Strangler's song. Uh, but I can't tell you the whole story because I didn't write the song, but it had something, uh, it was something negative that was said about Americans, and Craig Lee was reacting to that. I thought it was about your friend Mr. Zippers, the Brit. No, but I do remember Zippers. There's great footage of the bags playing in Portland, Oregon, on YouTube that people can check out like right now on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And yes, you're listening to the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show with Alice Bag from The Bags, author of Violence Girl. If you go into YouTube and you type in The Bags, one of the first things that comes up is you playing in Portland. Amazing footage. Is that the gig that Jello Biafra is in the audience? Can you see Jello in the audience there? Do you know the footage I'm referring to? I do. Yes, and, and Jello was there. He was, um, yeah, they were actually supposed to do some of those shows um, I think they were supposed to play the Iggy Pop show in Seattle and possibly the Long Goodbye in, uh, in Portland also. Uh, I don't remember what the reason was that they weren't on the bill, but Jello was there and, uh, and he was really supportive. Jello was always great to have around because he's just, he's just fun. <laughs> 
you were saying in your book, Violence Girl, that perhaps it maybe wasn't your best gig or best tour, but you guys looked totally on it. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, it was actually the, it was the tour that happened like right before we broke up. And I felt like we were all on edge. In the movie, The Decline of Western Civilization, the Alice Bag Pand is featured. You'd mentioned about fighting happening backstage before you went on. Wasn't there punk unity? Like, why is there fighting? Punk unity. Isn't there punk unity? Why was there fighting? I think there, there was no punk unity at that particular time. You know, people wanted to, to be filmed early in the evening because there, was, there were a lot of bands that were on that bill. I don't remember how many there were. I think there were like five bands. And, um, and nobody wanted to go on last because it was, you know, it was being filmed. It was late. It was, everything was running later than normal. And uh, we all had kind of figured out that people would be tired <laughs> by the fifth band. So um, so I think I was the only woman backstage at that point. And I was also probably the one that had been around the longest. So they listened to me and I said, let's not fight. Let's draw straws. And uh, we drew the short straw and ended up going on fifth, which was really unfortunate because uh, we were out of steam. The audience was out of steam. And I could not stand to look at the decline. And I still probably, you know, if it's showing, I, I can be in the same room with it, but I try not to watch it because um, I have a hard time uh, seeing, just just watching that show is difficult for me. I'm not happy with our performance, not happy with, with uh, the, the whole thing. Alice Bag, did you ever meet Jack LaLanne? No, I wish. <laughs> you worked for him for a couple years, right? I did. I was an exercise instructor and uh, was in very good health at the time. Uh, we worked these, I worked at the Miracle Mile and we did 12-hour shifts uh, every other day because at, the, at that time, you know, women and men had to have different workout days. Um, and um, I eventually quit. But it's all, the, the whole story is in my book, Violence Girl. Alice Bag, you were a great fan of the Weirdos from Los Angeles. Yeah, I still am. They're they're always going to be my favorite punk band, I think, because I just have an emotional attachment to them. Alice Bag, was the fight between Nikki from the Weirdos and Tom Waits really a draw? I think it was. Uh, it, it was eventually busted up um, by the bouncers who were who were surrounding us, uh, trying to keep us. I, you know, I. Maybe a bit of background on that. A bit it, of background. It, it on sounds this. kind of interesting, actually, Alice Bag. You know, the fight between the weirdos, Nikki and Tom Waits, are really a draw. Like, I love the idea that a, a fight was actually set up. It was like it was like almost like you know, here, let's go. What happened? Could you explain, please? Yes. Um, well, what happened was that Tom Waits had made a disparaging remark about Nikki Beat, uh, and he called him a dipshit. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. In an Arnold okay? Soviet radio show, you can say dipshit. <gasps> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so well, what else can I say? Because then I could tell you the whole conversation. Oh, please that, go for it. <laughs> so, um, we, Tom Waits knew that we were going to be playing. Um, he had met me and, and I had said, oh, you know, I was very friendly because I had no idea he was going to turn out to be a jerk. So, uh, I invited him to the bags show at the Troubadour. 
and uh, and later he went on to to make the comment about Nikki. So he showed up to watch the bags at the Troubadour, and uh, Nikki Beat was playing drums with us because we had um, lost our drummer, so he's filling in. And when Nikki found out that Tom was in the audience, he was really, really mad. And before we even played, um, we walked up on the stage. We're all getting ready to play. And Nikki went up to the microphone and called him a bloody cunt. Um, and, and Tom just sat there looking at him. You know, he didn't react. And um, we started playing. And our fans started like moving the in those days you had these these uh rock clubs that had long sets of tables and chairs lined up to the front of the stage so that people would have like a you know two or three drink minimum they would be the people that were sitting at the front of the stage but of course our fans didn't have that kind of money so they just proceeded to throw the chairs and the tables out of the way so that they could pogo and um the, sh- the shows, you know, the band starts playing, tables and chairs are flying, and at the end of the night, well, Tom Waits, first of all, is just sitting there, you know, like stoic, watching the band, refusing to move. He's not having fun. He's just glaring at Nikki. And at the end of the night, you know, the show's over, the club is destroyed, except for the one little area where Tom Waits and his friends are sitting. And... um the, the premises are vacated. We're getting ready to move our stuff out, and they lock us in. And um, we don't know what's happening. We don't know if they're going to, like, you know, hold us responsible or take away our, our equipment or what they're going to do. But it turns out that all they really wanted was for Tom Waits and Nikki Beat to have it out. So these bouncers from the club make a big circle around, around Nikki and Tom, and they start duking it out. So did the bouncers decide that they should duke it out? Like, say Tom didn't want to fight Nikki. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think Tom did want to fight Nikki, though. Tom was um, Tom was very aggressive. He actually, like, he um, I, he called me a whore, actually. He was yelling at me, too, because I was uh, apparently to blame for for whatever happened. Um. Has his side of the story ever come out at all? Has he ever been confronted about this? I think he's been confronted, but I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever given his side of the story. I'm curious. Alice Bag of the Bags, author of Violence Girl, and that's one of the tidbits that you'll get in Violence Girl, isn't it, Alice? Yes, and you'll get it in more detail. Alice Bag, Nikki from the Weirdos and filling in with the Bags, he saved all the packaging from all the meals he ever ate with you? Well, there were an awful lot of packages in the cupboards. Um, I don't know if it was every single package, but there were boxes and jars and um, jars full of water from all the different, you know, cans. I mean, bottle jars of ragu and peanut butter and all that where they were rinsed and and nicely lined up in the in the cupboards of our apartment so he's like an early purveyor of recycling maybe or something like that perhaps yeah and and all the cereal boxes were folded neatly and stacked up all like you know like books in in a library which kind of freaked you out because you didn't think that everything was kept you just thought it was just chucked out 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was funny because I was, Nikki um, had to have things his way. And one of the things that he had to have his way was that he had to make all the meals, which, you know, <laughs> that's fine with me. I don't, I, so he would, he wouldn't let me in the kitchen. He did all the cooking and, uh, and he would just ask me to come in and eat. And then he had to like wash the dishes and do everything because he wanted it done his way. And he had to do the laundry because it had to be rinsed twice because he could feel detergent on his body. So all those things that Nikki wanted to do just happened to be the things that I don't particularly mind giving up. So uh, so it worked out really nicely until we broke up. And then I that's when I discovered, like, you know, the the jars and the boxes and stuff. Um, I it, You know, I, I think it was kind of funny. Alice Bank, you met Sid Vicious on stage. Is that when you first met Sid Vicious on stage? Was that your first introduction to Sid Vicious in person? That was my only introduction to Sid Vicious, yes. He was um, he was in the audience uh, when we played in San Francisco. We played the Mabuhe around the same time that we, we set up a gig specifically because we wanted to see the Sex Pistols play. And we wanted the our trip to pay for itself, so we set up a show. And um, which is kind of genius. I was thinking when you mentioned that in the book that all the clubs would have been booked. Were other bands trying to do that? Were you the only people that were that crafty? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. You know, I didn't do the booking. Craig Lee did the booking, so he's the he's the clever one. Um, but but it just turned out that uh, that he and uh, my friend Helen showed up. And no, wait a second. Was, we got to go back here for a second. Your friend yeah. Helen. Come on, Helen Killer. The legendary Helen Killer. The legendary Helen Killer. Um, yeah, she was hanging out with Sid, and she brought him to our show. And uh, and it was wonderful. I mean, I was on stage, and Sid was bopping his head through, to our music, and all of a sudden he just decided he wanted to be up there. And he uh, he started to roll around on the stage, you know, and I described his dance is sort of a kitten playing with a ball of yarn because he had his, he was kind of kicking his legs and his, and his little paws up in the air. And uh, after he rolled around for a while, he got up and he came over and put his arm around me uh, and tried to grab the microphone to sing along with me. But then I, I wouldn't let go of the mic. I was still like thinking, this is a bag show. I'm going to keep singing. And so my, so uh, Sid just kind of, Hung, hung on to me and swayed around the stage with me, which was, of course, just amazing for me. I, I had, you know, I was a fan too, so uh, so it was really exciting. Did you know it was Sid Vicious, though, and not an imposter? I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was Sid Vicious. And how did Helen meet Sid? I think Helen met Sid uh, because they had, um, the plungers had actually gone to Texas, I think, to see them at an earlier show, and they had met them there. Alice Bag, blood. You were into cutting yourself quite a bit. Yeah, there was a time in my life where I felt like, um, I felt disconnected from humanity, and I felt like, like cutting myself put me, I mean, it just made me feel like I was alive, which is, I know it doesn't make any sense, but for some reason it just, maybe made me aware of my body, made me aware of pain. And I felt like I couldn't, you know, it was a time when I felt like I couldn't even feel pain. I felt very numb. So uh, I started cutting myself. And um, 
I was having a hard time dealing with a, a lot of different things. And I, I stopped cutting myself. I, I eventually moved, moved back home, um, went to school and started just being more introspective and uh, figuring out what was, what was going on with me. And I, I, I gave up cutting. <laughs> Did you ever get a germs burn? No, I was offered a germs burn. I was, I mean, um, Darby tried very hard to, to, uh, burn me, but I, uh, I threatened his life. <laughs> I would not allow him to burn me. Alice Bag, what was it like working at Arby's in the 1970s? Do you have any trade secrets you can tell us? Trade secrets. No, I don't have any trade secrets. I was a total failure at working at Arby's. I got fired. I, uh, I didn't particularly enjoy it. And uh, I tried to trade my roommate, Sheila, uh, a shift. And it ended up, I mean, neither of us ended up showing up and we got fired. But um, it was a place that would have us. Basically, you know, we if you were a punk and you looked and you dressed funny or you had, you know, a weird haircut or different colored hair, it was difficult to get a job. Um, so if a place would have you, you were lucky and you didn't, you know, <laughs> you tried to keep it for a few weeks so that you could pay your rent. Because that made me think about money and stuff, Alice Bag. Like, who from the L.A. punk scene that you grew up through and still are in, in a way, rocking and rolling with your brand new book, Violence Girl, a punk release, has punk chapters, many, many chapters in the book. Who from the L.A. punk scene actually made money and a living off it? I don't know who made money. I know that for a while uh, the bags made enough money so that we could we could pay our rent. You know, we could... we did support ourselves through the band for a short time. But let me clarify that I had two roommates. I lived at the Canterbury. I don't remember what the rent was there, but it was really cheap and we split it three ways. And, uh, you know, I really didn't have spending money. So, um, so I was able to live, but, um, on very, on, on very little. Um, I don't think anybody was, making a whole lot of money. I remember that the, um, the Dickies got a record deal and had, um, they had regular checks, you know, once a month or something. So we all thought they had it made. Alice Bag, the Elks Lodge, your friend Barbara was accused of doing angel dust? Yeah. What was happening there? You were playing a gig at the Elks Lodge and all this craziness was going down and you were trying to warn the people, but you didn't get to warn them. But then Barbara jumped outside and then fought off some cops with like a stop sign. Yeah. What happened was that there was um, there there were a lot of bands playing the Elks Lodge and um, and the neighbors were starting. I guess the neighbors were afraid because we looked scary. <laughs> because they they didn't know what punks were about and um and apparently the LAPD claims to have gotten complaints so um the gogos had played first and um and after they played i went down to the ladies room and as i was walking back from the ladies room i noticed that there was a phalanx of stormtroopers outside there were like you know cops in riot gears lined up as far back as you could see. And, um, and I was 
trying to get back to my friends. There were friends of mine who were in the lobby who I managed to say, you know, to, to warn and, and say, we got to get out of here because this place, you know, it's going to be broken up. And uh, right after I said that, the, um, the head policeman walked in and started trying to get, it, get us to disperse. It was, it all happened really fast, you know, like they, they ordered us to disperse, but within like, oh, I would say two or three minutes, the, um, the line after line of policemen started marching in and just clubbing people randomly as, as people were trying to leave, you know, they were trying to get down the stairs and uh, people are just being whacked for no reason at all. You know, they were trying to leave peacefully and, uh, and, um, Barbara's sister, Dorothy and her and Dorothy's boyfriend, um, Jeff Ada, who was the lead singer of middle class, um, were bashed over the head and they, their scalps were like torn open. They actually like they were bleeding profusely. And um, Barbara saw that happen and she got really angry and she she uh, started fighting with the cops. So they handcuffed her and, and uh, she broke her handcuffs and went after them again because she felt like she had to, you know, try to defend her her sister. And uh, so they hogtied her um, and she broke her restraints again. Um, and she actually, I don't know how she did it, but she was able to pull up a stop sign and swing at the cops with it. And I think, you know, she must have just had a, a huge rush of adrenaline because she, uh, Barbara did not, didn't do drugs. She never did. Alice Bragg is coming to <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Sunday at 4 p.m. to Red Cat Records in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, reading from her book, Violence Girl, and also doing some songs as well. Vancouver is home to Ron Ray's now of Black Flag. He's been living here for a number of years. I was wondering, Alice, did you ever play any gigs with Ron Ray's? Because he's in a decline, too. Do you remember Ron yeah. in Black Flag? Yeah, I think I think they were filmed the same night we were, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think they, they were. were they were also filmed at the Smokestack. Yeah, what do you remember about Black Flag, Ron Reyes era? I don't remember very much about it. You know, I I think at that time I was really just more concerned with my own band kind of falling apart. So I wasn't um, I wasn't that involved with. This was a new scene, you know, that was moving in. This was a transitional phase when um, when the old Hollywood scene was kind of starting to um, to fade. And these new bands were coming in and they were coming in. They were much more uh, they were more popular and more forceful. And uh, and, you know, it was not. Um, it was not, I didn't have the same kind of connection with, with Ron that I would have had with like, you know, people that had, that I'd known for the previous years. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all, but I just, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't close to Ron uh, or, or most of the bands that went on to like, to do hardcore, even though we, we were playing with some of those bands. Um, we, I didn't feel the same sense of community with them. That I that I had with the the early Hollywood punk bands. 
Alice Bag of the Bags, author of Violence Girl. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? No, there's nothing else I can think of. Just come to the show. Hope you enjoy it. And lastly, lastly, lastly here, Alice Bag, author of Violence Girl, can you please tell me your recipe for chocolate chip cookies? I can send you my recipe for chocolate chip cookies, but the trick, the special touch, if you're making them for someone that you need to get back at is to replace the chocolate chips with x Lacs. All right. Well, thanks so much, Alice. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot.
again, you're still listening to CITR Radio and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, the Weirdos with Destroy All Music. And before that, the Weirdos with Solitary Confinement. And before that, the Bags with Survive. And before that, an interview with Alice Bag from The Bags. And Alice Bag from The Bags will be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Sunday at 4 p.m. at Red Cat Records. Alice is going to read from her brand new book, Violence Girl, as well as she's going to play a bunch of tunes helped out by Ford. So Ford and Alice Bag for free this Sunday, 4 p.m. at Neptune Records. If you're more interested, there's a Facebook page all set up for that. Just go to Red Cat Records and you'll find it all there. Alice Bag this Sunday, 4 p.m. Right now, going to play something that was given to me by Beppy. Here's Little Tony from Italy in the 1960s with My Turn. Thank you, Beppy.
listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Cable 88.5, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from the Mammoth Cave Recording Company, Korean Gut, from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with Your Misery, Our Benefit. And before that, from Calgary, Alberta, the grown-ups with Spare Time. And before that, the Belushies with Saturday Night. And before that, Happy Noose from Olympia, Washington with Empire Fades. Thank you, Tim, for sending me that particular recording and a whole bunch of other great recordings, which we'll be hearing in subsequent weeks on the Nardwater Human Survey Radio Show. We heard Happy Noose with Empire Fades. And before that, 
Thank you, Beppy, for sending me Little Tony's My Turn. Coming up right now here to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, have something by the Liquor Kings. Gonna play Satan, Bacon, and Beer. And Eddie from the Liquor Kings is going to be appearing at the Railway Club on April the 1st, if you want to see Eddie in a solo capacity. The Liquor Kings coming up with Satan, Bacon, and Beer on Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR, www.citr.ca. Here's the Liquor Kings. Thank you, Eddie.
tree in motion. She turned her tender eyes to me as deep as any ocean. Yeah, baby. As sweet as any harmony. Oh, she blinded me with science. She blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And failed me in biology. When I'm dancing close to her. Blinding me with science. Science? Science! I can smell the chemicals blinding me with science. 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 Mmm, it's poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. And when she turned her eyes to me, as deep as any ocean, as sweet as any harmony. Blinded me with science. With science. Blinded me with science. And failed me in geometry. When she's dancing next to me. When I'm dancing next to you. I can hear machinery blinding me with science. Science. It's poetry in motion. And now she's making love to me. The sphere's in commotion. And uh, the elements in harmony. She blinded me with science. Science! Blinded me with science. Oh, then hit me with technology. Swimming in the ocean. Talk to her, baby. William Shatner here, riding on the mothership. Just for the funk of it, baby. Good heavens, Miss Sakamoto, you're beautiful. I don't believe it. There she goes again. She tied it up and I can't find anything. All my tubes and wires and careful notes and antiquated notions. But it's poetry in motion. Who, me? And when she turned her eyes to me. I'm as deep as any ocean. As sweet as any harmony. Oh, she... She blinded me with science. She blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And hit me with technology. I think it's going to be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fuse up here alone.
Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. In fact, it's cold as hell. And there's no one there to raise them. Science, I don't understand. It's just my job five days a week. A rocket man. A rocket man. It's gonna be a long, long time. Ground control to Major Tom. Your circuit's dead. There's something wrong. Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you? Start of taking chances. Yeah, there's a storm on the loose sirens in my head. I'm wrapped up in silence, all circuits are dead. I cannot decode my whole life, spins into a frenzy. Help, I'm stepping into the twilight zone. The place is a madhouse, feels like being cloned. My beacon's been moved under moon and star. Where am I to go now that I've gone too far? Help, I'm stepping into the twilight zone. The place is a madhouse, feels like being cloned. My beacon's been moved under moon and star. <laughs> 